we do as an industry organisation, as an industry media outlet, have to be critical of them. And to see them in the same media release as Drinkwise, which obviously, as we say, we support, but we want them to be independent and above that kind of criticism. To see them in the same media release, I was like, oh no, oh no. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cry Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cry Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors Sponders. They're proud sponsors Ooh. of Brews News Week. <laughs> I'm clearly not Pete Mitchell. Uh, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, editor of Australian Brews News, and I'm joined by ace reporter uh, and senior journalist, I, I like that I get both. this title. I get both titles. You should put Ace Reporter in your... I should, shouldn't I? Just I've like seen Jimmy much Olsen. worse than that. Jemima Olsen, there you go, <laughs> Spider-Man. Olsen. Claire Burnett, welcome. Uh, all right, hello, Matt. Good week? Yeah, it's been busy, actually. It's been very busy. Hold on, yeah. What's going on? What's, What's going, going on? Which is well, nice. Let's roll in, because we, we do it. have a big below the fold. We do. Um, uh, yeah, if, if, if nothing else. Um, now, Claire... Big news <laughs> from us, which we very rarely do. We 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 I, very yeah. rarely try and be the I news. Agree. But this is something that it's not really us being the news. Mm-hmm. It's us creating something that mm-hmm. we think is worth celebrating, and yep. that is um, we launched the database of physical breweries. Yep, big massive research project from our team here, Matt and I. I think we'd say we are distantly supervised. <laughs> A very important role. We delegated some very important tasks. But the team did an amazing job. It was a huge, a huge job. So I guess the interesting bit, obviously, there's a few other databases out there, but we very much wanted to cover physical breweries, breweries that have their own stainless steel, that have the bricks and mortar. Um, and so actually, according to um, our initial findings, obviously, this is going to change as it's we go. go up by, we've got about, yeah, there were some very small ones new that we omitted. Yeah, um, that's And it. very small and mainly very yep. new. There was one... But I love that they all came in and were like, oh, don't forget about us and things like that. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, come on, guys, get yeah, in here, get in the phone. I'm pleased we didn't because it was a long, long project. Um, yeah. And uh, just to take your point, there are other databases. Um, for example, there is the Beer Crawl one. Um, that Not quite the same cup of tea, though, that one, is well, it? Beer Crawl, some of those groovy um, mm. tap handles you see, the digital tap handles. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. Coming out of the same business. Um, and I think mm-hmm. the idea is that they're going to be interlinked yep. um, at some stage, that database. And so it includes bre- bars, craft beer, breweries, bars, yeah. and Bottle things shops, like I that. Think. Things like that. All of that. It's a fantastic database. But when I looked at it, um, again, it seemed to have pulled some from the other one, which is the craft beer reviewer one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are th- th- there's... Three or four databases that seem to have just, and I could be wrong, and I'm mm-hmm. apologies if I do, but when you look at the data that's in them, they seem to have scraped certain amounts of data from mm-hmm. Craft Beer Reviewer, or they've gone through and compiled it um, yeah. through that. But the Craft Beer Reviewer database is one that gets held up all the time. You know, you, you see it in equity crowdfunding proposals. You see it in, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. banks when they're talking about the size of the industry. Yep. 740 breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard yet, it, seen it in government reports and things like that. And I'm like, well, you haven't really verified that though, have you? It's a bit of a worry when the government mm. doesn't have data on, you know, for things like the craft beer yep. strategy. And th- then there are, you know, you, you see in Brisbane, um, which is one I know I- intimately, 
at one stage once a group of Brisbane brewers in the early days when Brisbane was really just starting to take off, mm-hmm. they came together and created a beer under Band of Brewers, which was a label that they did a one-off mm-hmm. beer in. That's included as, as a brewery. Um, and when you start interrogating the data... You know, I, I think there was something that we called zombie. You yep. know, I, I think I used the word ethereal. Um, I know. And I was like, ooh, yeah, very, very flirty. I like that one. Great adjective. That's Logic a kind finish. way of saying some of them, you know, some of them may have brewed once or twice and then just stopped. And when you've got – anyone can go to a small uh, brewery, get a batch of beer done, you know, put your money mm-hmm. down, try and sell it, and then just go, oh, you know what, this is a lot harder than they said yeah. in a brochure. Yep. Um, or I'm going back to my day job. It was nice to do that for six months my day. You know, this whatever. was a, a mm-hmm. vanity project or I just wanted to have a cool beer, you know, yep. sort of see it was out there. Um, and no criticism of any of the people that do that. But it's hardly illustrative mm-hmm. of the size of the Australian brewing industry yeah. in terms of capacity yes. um, and investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and uh, the other um, big one was, as we've seen, Lion has now closed South Australian Brewing. So Lion operates, you know, a couple of breweries around the country. But, you know, James Bogue's brewery in Launceston mm-hmm. can be making 15 different beers um, you know, Four Hearts in Brisbane uh, or in, in, in Ipswich mm-hmm. has been the first place a whole lot of nomad brewers have brewed their first beer. You know, what's the difference between, um, you know, sh- um, should we include, you know, Southwark Stout, um, which is brewed once a year or something, you know, through line? You know, is it a As brewery? A brewery, yeah. yeah or is yeah, it a, yeah, a, a exactly. brand? Um, is Tinney's a brewery? Or is mm-hmm. um, the the brewery that it's made? You know, mm-hmm. and I, I, again, as I, as I said in my comments, you know, people that are contract brewers, um, exclusively contract brewing, um, or, or nomad brewers who go in and brew, use somebody else's, or you know, um, with an intention to one day open a brewery. Mm-hmm. No criticism about the legitimacy of that business model. But for every one that goes on to open a brewery, there are probably 15 that when you, you look at that list have just disappeared. So um, that was where it was a really, really hard decision. What do we include? What do we mm-hmm. exclude? Yep. The easiest thing to do was, do you own stone, stainless steel? Yep. And, and, and actually, for, the, for I guess the people who are listening are in the, in the brewing industry are probably interested in this sort of stuff. You know, then there's questions of, is Tofa at Wildflower, is that a brewery? Um, because he gets his work made elsewhere and mm. then ferments it and blends it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that anyone, you know, would be disappointed not to see him there. And from memory, we included him. I believe um, we did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we did. Um, uh, Dollar Bill, again, yep. <laughs> how do you not have the champion beer? Absolutely. Um, you know, yeah. Well, then again, if it was a, if it was a contract um, brewery, um, it, 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 it's, a, it's a really hard one and mm-hmm. they are right in the grey area um, that we yeah. really struggled with and could find ourselves really, really hard pushed mm-hmm. to defend them, um, which is why we've published it, to, to get yep. these conversations. As we always do, mm-hmm. these conversations should be had yep. um, and we really, really want to hear from our listeners who are close industry followers and many of whom have, were really great in providing um, insights uh, to it. Mm-hmm. But um, a- another challenge we had were the smart brew systems, you know, fermentoriums that own stainless steel fermenters mm-hmm. but don't necessarily mash themselves. Mm-hmm. 
again, you know, um, so so one of the things we're thinking of doing is having um, we're, we're, currently we've got small, medium, large, and brew pub. We're thinking of adding a blend, you know, a, a fermentorium. Oh my god, category. I love that! What a great word as well. Um, which would be you know places that don't actually do the full service, but mm. maybe ferment, you know, like the Tophus. But then, you know, again, I, I, See, I, I don't necessarily difficult. know that a smart brew system like Fritzenberger yeah. mm. is in the same category as a wallflower. Oh, I think you might be right there. But that's, but that's good, though. subjective. It's, yeah, like, absolutely. And, 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 and like a, that, I don't want to look into the heart of somebody because we're looking yeah. at capacity in the industry and investment yeah. in the industry, and that's what it comes that's back it. to for us. So yeah, please give us your thoughts. Um, yeah. We are also currently, initially, when we did it, the sizes, we wanted to make them conform because this isn't a – we're not creating a tourist map for consumers the way yeah. that our good friends at New Zealand Ale Trail, absolutely. Um, which is – Breweries you can go and visit. This is an in, we're an industry site mm-hmm. capturing the size of you know and and a measure, not a dollar measure obviously, but a measure of the investment in the industry based on the number of people who have opened physical breweries, um, yep. which we thought was a useful, meaningful, trackable way um, that had much less grey, and we wanted that then to conform to a established industry metrics of size and so we initially looked at the iba which is a brew pub has x percent um, i think it's 75 percent sold on site Mm -hmm. really useful data point then they have small medium and large which are their entry capacities Mm -hmm. but then when you look at that there are 43 large breweries and their cutoff is only 300,000 liters for a large brewery which for the indie awards absolutely makes sense Mm -hmm when you're looking at investment in the, in, in, in the industry, mm-hmm. may not be the best one for our database. Yep. So now that It's the a moving document. It's a moving document. We so <laughs> uh, we'd really appreciate our listeners' thoughts um, and please you know, email, message in, in the comments um, of the Facebook group. Um, let us know your thoughts. We're thinking of going, the, the, keeping the brew pub, making the current small medium under the IBAs, mm-hmm. which is not a brew pub and up to 300,000 litres, small. Okay. Making 301,000 litres mm-hmm. to, I think it's 2 million for the AIBAs, um, whatever the AIBA definition for large is. So it's a different mm-hmm. competition and a different metric, but it's still a recognised industry. So yep. AIBA large is large, mm-hmm. you know, for, for our database. The IBA large up unto the Australian International Beer Awards large um, becomes medium and yep. then small medium becomes small. If that, I'd, I'll, I'll type it down so you can <laughs> see it. But yeah, you, 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 again, it, it needs to conform to another rather than just make up our own yep. mystical barrier. Yeah, that um, we'd have to justify and explain to everyone. And yeah, because <laughs> there's a whole lot of, you know, a lot of brewers don't want to provide their... Um, Volume production. Yes. Um, or, you know. Or it's changed over the past year. It's changed or it's over about the past to year. change or whatever. So it can be a little bit, and we can always move them around depending on if they let us know. It's just toggling a switch in, in, in the back Absolutely. end. But that way we can look at, well, who has been, you know, entered under the AIBA's guidelines. And so because 
to enter that competition, you have to essentially certify your size, as we saw with a New Zealand brewer mm-hmm. this year. You yep. know, it's so anyway. That, that's cool. what we're going to do. give us your feedback, um, particularly omissions. Um, we'll be keeping track of ones that close um, or are no longer eligible for the database, mm-hmm. um, and let us know your thoughts. Um, we've already been approached by cideries to be included, and that's a whole other oh, thing. Oh yeah, because well, we tried to keep it as narrow as we possibly could. Well, it's again, already cideries, um, already you know. Massive. If you buy in Chinese concentrate and ferment it on site, mm. is that a cidery? Mm-hmm. Um, yes and no. Or is a cidery a place that grows its own fruit? Or can you buy in apples rather than concentrate? You know, so it's, I mean, God, it's not even in our <laughs> ballpark. But something as simple as a list of physical breweries is incredibly complex. Absolutely. Um, as, yeah. as, as you, you may have uh, gathered. And just kudos to Emmy and just thought. Everybody that got involved in that one is a huge job. Emmy, who you will hear from later on, later on uh, yep. in the podcast for the first time, my daughter. Um, so hey. yeah, so it um, wasn't a family business, uh, so, <laughs> but now it is. It is now. <laughs> so yeah, she's bloody good though. We have you to start succession it. planning and sort of working out. You know, <laughs> oh, I'd l- Emmy, you can boss me around any day. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, news. Um, Brewdog adds pasteurizer to expand no low range. Yeah, so this was an interesting one. So we did their half year, Brewdog Australia's half year results a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're narrowing their losses. We, Pete and I spoke about it, I believe, when Matt was away. But one thing that came out of it was that um, they're adding a pasteurizer. And it, at that point, I think it was um, just about there. And um, so they've got it. They're installing it. It's happening. Um, but it was really interesting because um, I spoke to their new head brewer. Now, Matt, don't abuse me if I get this wrong. Tim, I'm so, I'm so sorry, Tim, already. Uh, Tim Rajenovich. I think, well, we're going to have to ask our uh, very own Vivian Topalovich um, <laughs> how you pronounce that yes, a little well, bit later. She, but can, anyway. she can abuse me later for the terrible Rajinovich. Do you think that's one? Oh, yes! So why are you Topalovich and he's <laughs> Radnovich? Uh, either way. Anyway. Anyway, Tim. Tim. Tim, Tim, lovely chap. Um, Anyway, we spoke to Tim and we were having a chat about the stigma around pasteurisation and how BrewDog are doing it. So BrewDog have brought in their um, flash pasteuriser, which can do between 20 and 40 hectolitres an hour. Um, So obviously big volumes. And what they're doing with that is they're mainly focusing on no and low alcohol. So they're not focusing on um, doing any of their uh, alcoholic, like full alcohol mid strength anything like that they're not doing that on with the pasteurizer but it, they were like it's an issue of safety you know we want to make sure that these beers are safe going it's out what there. the yeast Fair manufacturers enough. say and it, look, again you know there, there's so many things that we have to consider in working out the stories that we cover because it's for our readers we want to report on industry trends and this was an interesting one because mm-hmm. as you said there's a stigma around pasteurizing mm-hmm. that even now you know we get heated comments when we talk about pasteurising um, and would love to hear your thoughts because there is no right or wrong answer mm-hmm. um, to the, to this one. But, you know, for a long time, pasteurising was the opposite of craft. It was what the big brewers did. But then mm-hmm. again, so was using enzymes, so was adjuncts, so was all these things. And we've seen all of these fall down, you know, as craft brewers have been looking for their niche or have just the capacity to do these things. And pasteurizers are expensive pieces of kit. Um, And so it's almost like it's the one thing that still matters because it doesn't yet not matter. (laughs) (laughs) um, One of those things, great example, we saw Stone and Wood, um, you know, they used to have on their label, 
no preservatives, unpasteurized was proudly on their label mm-hmm. um, back when they were malt water, hops, and yeast, and you know they were much more craft than their narrative later became. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in I think it was around about 2016, they put in a pasteurizer, and you know, I asked them about it a couple of times. They were very reluctant to talk Mm -hmm. about it we actually did a panel in um, good beer week i think it was 2018 where we had the export manager from new belgium Mm -hmm. uh, dermato mortar from uh, endeavor drinks um, and the quality brewer from stonewood all talking about beer quality and packaging as when we started seeing recalls and things the brewer from new belgium um you know when i asked do you guys pasteurize she said yep and you can thank us for it. You know, complete ownership, explained why, justified it, you know, said, uh, Dermot O'Morta said that it was a tool that brewers could use if they thought it was necessary. And even then, you know, Sternerwood didn't really want to, mm-hmm. they, they didn't say, yes, we pasteurise this while we do it. And then, I think it was Brucon that year was in around about June. So it was, you know, six or seven weeks later, they did a paper talking mm-hmm. about hop creep. Um, and that we're <laughs> pasteurising because of hop creep, you know. So that was, seems to be a pattern. Well, it was a good two years after they'd started pasteurising, yeah, yeah. and hadn't been wanting to talk about it. Didn't say that it was um, hop creep, um, and it was almost as if that suddenly became the narrative. Well, yes, we're pasteurising now because we're so crafty, so you know the, yeah. the way we use hops. And you know, <laughs> sorry, did you say Stone and Wood changing a narrative? On oh. oh, well, God, there, there, sorry, sorry, rain me in, rain me in. But it was a great example of pasteurising seeming to be a no-go topic. And, and mm. we still see it. Very few brewers want to, want to really talk about it. That's why it's really interesting that Brewdog, yep. you know, talking And they about were really open about how they do it differently globally as well. So I think we mentioned um, that in Germany, they do pasteurise their punk IPA because they use refillable bottles. And Which I was like, what? The That's German crazy. thing. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought that was fact. Like, that you know, that's the thing. I knew that they were doing it for the no and low alcohol because that's mm-hmm. what the yeast manufacturers say. If yep. you sort of do the micro version um, because of unfermentable sugars and you know back sweetening and yep. all of that sort of thing, um, and also they didn't want to be shipping their beers out from the UK, mm-hmm. which I think is a you know full credit to them. You yep. know, we, we'll have a go at Brewdog from time to time, but this was a, a great example of them actually living the thing and then mm-hmm. owning it. But then yeah, I thought it was fascinating that in Germany um, again they do it because. It, it's it's safety. something that they, they yeah. need to do for safety in, in, in those sorts of things. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, um, and the other thing that came from the Brewdog thing is that they're talking about bringing back shandies, which <laughs> I love. And I think that was such a great idea. Super old-fashioned. My nan used to have one when I went to the pub with her when I was a kid, when that was not that frowned upon. And um, it just it brings back a lot of memories, and I'm all here for it. Obviously, we were talking about how the Rattler sort of came back a little bit, but never really made it and all this kind of stuff. And it was it was just a really interesting one, considering that everyone's doing like seltzers and things like that to bridge that gap and make a slightly sweeter, like more palatable to certain audiences, that kind of thing. And now they're going down the Shandy route, and I'm all and for it. Again, another element of this story that just fascinates me that, you know, you can have an insight but be ahead of the market or, you know, um, market it wrong. Mm-hmm. Just like low-carb beers when they were marketed as diet beers. <laughs> um, blokes don't want to diet. You know, mm. 20 years ago, blokes don't want to go, yeah, I'm having a diet beer because I'm watching my weight. <laughs> um, that wasn't cool back then. Uh, yeah, well, but, you know, then they 
pivoted to this wellness trend mm-hmm. that, you know, instead of being I'm on a diet, which is a negative, it's I'm into wellness yep. and fitness yep. and, you know, looking at what goes into my body. Same product, just marketed a different way and very different purchase. Um, I remember, you know, when Radlers came out, the justification that brewers have said, oh, you know, Radler, because it's the cyclist beer and it's cool and... But it also took that extra little bit of explaining because you have to yeah. translate it from the German and, yeah. you know, and then and they, not this everybody has the same cultural to, cues. Is that it the, a shandy? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, is it a shandy? And you want to say, <laughs> I think Ed, uh, Ed Bott, the general manager, was even like, and people had to explain what the, oh, Radler's just a shandy. And then it just <laughs> <laughs> completely yeah. defeated the object of calling it a Radler anyway. Um, so, yeah, interesting one on that one. But, yeah, cool. I really like that as well. And that they've taken a lot of influence and experience from over in the US where they're a bit, from the sounds a bit of a market leader in the no and low alcohol space doing sort of fruited sours and things like that and those are some beers that they want to bring over um, from that US experience so I mean there are benefits to being a multinational um, it was funny I can't remember when Rattlers came out I think it was independent uh, it was um, uh, New Zealand brewery mm-hmm. um, trying to th- DB and they trademarked Rattler and they trademarked Saison, which Ooh, how they got that. Yeah, past, um, that's you couldn't do I that. I remember now. the Saison one. I didn't realize they did Rattler. They released the they they released the Saison trademark, but they I think they kept the Rattler trademark in New Zealand. Yeah. Um. But then they brought out a Rattler that was, I think, almost full strength. And you're going, oh. but it's <laughs> you know, so it was just a sweet regular <laughs> beer. A sweet beer. Um. I, I, if, if I All remember, right. like that was mid to early two thousands. Um. Yeah, but Very again, strange. great, uh, interested um, to see. Um, mm. But pre-packaged uh, mid-strength beer, um, good on them. Let's yeah. let's see how they go. And uh, interesting that they've um, chosen. Um, I, I, I do start to wonder as breweries get bigger whether we are going to see more of the brewers that grow and have the capacity to uh, bring in pasteurizers. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We did an article ooh, a year or two ago now about a US firm bringing over smaller pasteurizers mm. for smaller brewers. That's right, we did too. Again, still a little bit outside the price Boot range. has built their own, for their zi- yes. I, I, but only yes. for their zero alcohol beer, yep, which I had it. actually recently and it was very nice, I, I, I should say. Oh, oh, okay, don't think I've tried that one. I'll give it a go. Nice um, yeah, but yeah, so it'll be, it will be interesting to see um, whether that's a trend. A- another thing that... You know, as brewers have the ability, mm-hmm. the fact that it's pasteurising matters less to them. And yeah. once borders open, um, we still want to do our blind taste panel that we've been oh, talking yeah. about um, for over two years. <laughs> um, COVID. 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 Claire, ABAC survey explores advertising perception. Indeed. So we've had a little double whammy of ABAC uh, in the past week. They undertook a really interesting survey. They brought in some outside sort of independent consultant type person to survey about 1,500 people looking at perceptions of alcohol marketing um, and basically just to test whether they're the way they apply their reasonable person test is uh, in line with community standards. It's not just completely up in the air. They aren't just making it up as they go along. Um, That it actually uh, fits in with sort of public perceptions of where alcohol advertising should be. And the general idea was absolutely. So they actually surveyed a lot of these people and they hadn't told them anything about the ABAC code. They said, do you think these alcohol, they used um, 14 advertisements, I believe that they'd already adjudicated on and they said look do you think these are unreasonable like are these like unacceptable and I I don't think the majority of them um 
the people were like, no, they're all right. I'm like, fine, whatever. Um, when they introduced them to the code, the people that were surveyed basically completely agreed with ABAC. They agreed with all of ABAC's adjudications, save one, which they said um, ABAC was actually a bit conservative on. So they would have said, oh, no, it's fine. But ABAC said, now nah, we better err on the side of caution. So I was like, that's a really interesting point. Um, a lot of criticisms of ABAC are that they are out of touch, that they um, don't understand that p- a reasonable, their reasonable person says is ridiculous. Um, lots of interesting things like that. So basically, um, this survey was just telling them what we kind of already knew that, yeah, they they're reasonable. <laughs> They're a reasonable bunch, uh, is all we're saying. But they also touched on a few other interesting things. So awareness was a key issue. Um, not that many people, I think just over a third of people were aware of ad standards in general. And um, only 17% were aware of the ABAC process. So they've got a little bit of work to do on awareness. Um, considering that they still get quite a few complaints, that's... <laughs> It's quite impressive. Um, well, but as, as, yeah. as, you know, as we've talked about, the complainants mm. are professional complainants. And I don't say that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got a vested interest, yeah. which again, as I said, the professional complainants who are anti-alcohol interested mm. businesses are engaging with ABAC and using ABAC, mm-hmm. which legitimises ABAC. Yeah. But then, and, and, <laughs> but then and they my only criticism, them. yeah, yeah and, and that's my criticism of fair and the anti-alcohol researchers mm-hmm. is that they're using it, mm-hmm. they're using it to change advertising, yep. to what they want. But then they're saying that it's inadequate. But then they're still saying it's ad- in, in, inadequate, and you know, yeah. this study is brilliant so is because on on one hand it shows why brewers are pissed off at ABAC because yep. ABAC is being conservative, mm-hmm. but then it's also great defence for ABAC against the anti-alcohol. So I feel sorry for ABAC because they get it from both sides. Oh, They're just yeah. in the middle with bricks lobbing into their... Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, they probably want to keep that awareness down, otherwise there will be <laughs> bricks lobbed through the window. Um, but, but it yeah. also shows, you know, like my idea of the fire break. You know, they're, they're effectively making sure that brewers are stopping well short of what is unacceptable, mm-hmm. which protects the industry yep. from heavier regulation. Um, it. And it's very defensible now. Yeah. And there were some interesting adjudications this past week as well, or over the past couple of weeks. We obviously like to do a roundup of them. There was a really interesting Four Pines one. Uh, they did a collaboration with the Ben and Jerry's yep. uh, cookie dough ice cream. And actually, that had already been pre vetted. As we know, pre vetting doesn't necessarily not- mean that you. You'll get it passed. It's on insurance. Yes, it, it helps, but it's not um, a guarantee. Honest to goodness, whoever at Four Pines wrote that 15 page rebuttal. Wow. I didn't read it. Okay. Oh, my goodness. It was it was this long. This is what I've got you for. <laughs> yeah, <So>. exactly. <laughs> it was long. It was long. They made some really interesting and valid points about the audience for a Ben & Jerry's. It's got yep. a higher price point. Um, loads of other things about them getting pre-vetted. They're making sure that um, beer was a really prominent and the idea that it was an alcoholic All beverage. The that they asks. didn't even have things like a cartoon of ice cream. They didn't have an, a, any cartoons of cookie dough or anything like that. Just to be on the safe side and yet still... Somebody, com- two people, I believe, complained about it. And in the end, ABAC was like, actually, while we don't judge on uh, whether this is socially acceptable, like that's not their role, mm. actually, it, they did make the point that, you know, this is really towing the line and, you know, we want to stay away from Close that. Close to the line or? Oh, when you're so towing the over line. Over it. They, over it. Okay. they upheld the complaint yep. in the end. Okay. And they, so they're basically, obviously, as we said, you know, pre vetting didn't. Ah, uh, didn't help them that one. <laughs> I feel really bad for them though. That is hard. They do, they did it all right. Four Pints did everything right. They That's got three vetted and all that. So, w- w- was it 
the, the the way that the complaint was worded highlighted things that the pre-vetters hadn't picked up on or it was more the and it this was a this was why it was a funny one yeah it was more that it was about ice cream it was more that it was about a product that is really well known as ice cream as confectionery yep. that children are the predominant audience for ice cream and what they made a really interesting comment which was that it could suggest a smooth transition from a non-alcoholic to an alcoholic grooming. beverage well, which, exactly. which is a very polite yeah. way of saying grooming so they're yeah. forestalling accusations of that yes. um acting a bit conservatively yes yeah. but as matt, as you said matt you know sometimes you need to sometimes you need to in this scenario and look, i'm again i'm 100 willing to own that this is um my view that is out of step with brewers who are in a highly competitive space that see this as an element of mm-hmm. fun and creativity in, in, in the brewing industry. But do we need beer to be a product that tastes like confectionery? Mm-hmm. You know, that, and, we, 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 and I'm not going to yep. go, I've said it in the past, you know, yep. it's an adult beverage. Does it, does it add anything to the industry or does it just invite comparisons with other alcohol mm-hmm. um, elements that are less responsible and yep. does it blur the line between them and make it easier to regulate against beer mm-hmm. in areas where it's always been beer has always had a very clear um, defensible position yeah. that's you know, that's my so I, I get I guess that that's where ABEX coming from yes I believe so bearing mm. on the side of I, again like not yeah coming from a different way but that's mm-hmm. similar similar yeah. thing there you go Next up, um, so we just covered a quick one on the ACCC. Um, given that, obviously, the men- Fermentum acquisition by Lion is on the agenda at the minute, the ACCC is asking small businesses for their opinions um, in determining priority areas for compliance and enforcement for 2022. So this is basically where they say, you know, these are important areas for us. We're going to have a look at these areas in particular. So the past year has inevitably been travel, uh, tourism, events, um, all those kinds of industries, making sure that consumers are protected in those areas and also that if there's any consolidation in those areas, um, it doesn't contribute to the lessening of competition all that kind of thing but it's just a really interesting uh environment for competition right now and that the stone and wood deal is just slap bang in the middle of and could potentially affect uh lots of other m&a activity in the brewing sector going forward so they're asking for small business opinions get on there get your opinions out there they want to know if there are any um issues in any industry that could affect small businesses in particular which is a really interesting point as well so if you're a small brewer and uh you want to have a your say to the ACCC then this is the perfect platform for it I think it was three years ago that one of the ACCC's um priorities was tap contracts you know and COVID has yep. Uh, it, it's changed its focus over the last year or two to COVID because of all the scams Absolutely. and all of the, the, yep. the marketing around that. But this is the chance uh, to go. I guess the one thing I would say to brewers is if you're going to call the ACCC a toothless tiger, mm-hmm. um, maybe you want to make sure that your labels are <laughs> accurate because the ACCC has acted on labeling. And if you're going to tell it, it's toothless. Maybe yep. it'll come looking at your labels and <laughs> act against you and set up a radar trap at the bottom of your hill. Oh, God. There was one of them on the way to work. Was there? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, th- that was just my little <laughs> homily for today. Um, <laughs> well, and, and it's because that the IBA did, in, in its submission to the ACCC, um, say that it was essentially a toothless tiger and mm-hmm. criticise it. 
Yeah. But at least to this point, and I believe that might be changing, the the IBA hasn't enforced the AE. Triple C's guidelines um, around labelling, mm-hmm. you know, in the very clear direction the yep. ACCC has said. So it's a two-way street, guys. It is the two-way street. Don't say that other people should be doing things differently when you're not doing what the ACCC wants of you. Anyway, <laughs> um, boom. Um, actually, but, <laughs> there we go. But if you are, um, after you know, given that I've just sort of said, um, you know, check your labels. If you, you have found that, that maybe yeah. your labels aren't quite where they should be. Um, and you want to change them before you email the ACCC. Um, and <laughs> having a moan about competition. Having a moan yeah. about competition. A really quick and efficient way okay. to change your labels would, would be you, to call. Would you call? I would call Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging because they're not <laughs> able to only supply labels for your cans or bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons. Can trays, tap decals, barcodes and shrink sleeves already applied to empty beer cans ready for filling. So they can fix all of your problems and just you know give you a clean slate when you do call the uh, corporate watchdog. <laughs> the thing is that these guys often get asked, where would the brewery buy a shrink sleeving machine to apply the sleeves to the cans? It's not the case. Silly, silly question. Fools. Because the cans come <laughs> to your door palletised and ready to fill with nothing more to do. They shrink them for you. They did the heavy lifting on this one. <laughs> What's the number then? The number is one three hundred eight five two two three five. if you want to discuss further. Rollings. Seamless. Beautiful. And I hope you're well proud done. of that one, Pete, <laughs> when you're listening back. Now, Claire... <laughs> You know, just say, for example, um, CUB had their CEO's label, uh, you know, name on the label. That would have to change. That would be funny, wouldn't it? Tell us why. (laughs) So we've had some all change at the Big Brewers. Uh, We've got a new CEO for Carlton United, Danny Saloni. Saloni? Chaloni? Chaloni. Um, joins from PepsiCo, where he was CEO um, of their Australia, New Zealand and South Pacific business. So that'll be an interesting one. Maybe we can get him on the podcast? Question mark? Well, uh, certainly put it out there. I, yeah. I, I wanted to speak to um, or the just stepping down CEO, but uh, weren't able to do that. Um, maybe because he knew he was leaving. So uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe he wanted to leave that as a yeah. blank slate for his... Mm. Because you know, obviously You've everyone got to wants be on to come Bruce on the news. podcast. Yeah. Got to be on Bruce News. Well, we had James Brindley. Who was, exactly. Who was the other? That's the other one. So James Brindley um, stepping down after 27 years with Lion. Obviously, that's a big deal in the world of Lion. Um, James has been at the helm for a while, overseeing lots of change, some good, some bad, um, inevitably over that kind of time. And it was really interesting to see the contrast between the LinkedIn comments versus the Facebook comments on that one. And, and I mean, comments is a really hard one for us to decide on what to do because, you know, without putting on a flog voice, as you said, the Facebook comments, which has a slightly different audience to our LinkedIn profile, yep. um, which is you know much more corporate professional, but there seemed to be some people who were, I gather, affected by the line decision to close the South Australian Brewing. Yes. Um, and so he is the devil's spawn mm-hmm. um, to them. But like I said when we were talking about it, you know, this is the problem. This is what corporate people do. Like, This, this is what <laughs> they do. It's, it's not good. It's not bad sometimes. It's sometimes both. But <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? It's business. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's the thing, you know. Uh, we'll see. Um, they close down one and then build one in the Northern Rivers. Well, they Maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe. They best do. Anyway, uh, so David Smith, um, he's he's taking over from James. He's currently managing director for Southern Europe for Diageo. Oh, my God, what a job. Italy, 
Spain, Greece. What are you doing over here, David? No offense, but Southern Europe sounds great. What are you doing? I'm pretty sure that his job <laughs> job doesn't just involve swanning around. I should, you know, it should. If you work for Diageo, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> um, a little, but little yeah. bit of aperitivo oh, in the afternoons, damn. and they'll have like a siesta and oh, heaven, heaven. Is that Spanish or is that? A bit Spanish. I, I think they might do it in Italy as well. Now, Claire. Oh. That's the news that we covered. <laughs> that we what actually did, wrote about. What, yeah. what, what didn't we cover and why? Um. So, uh, we, along with seemingly several of the news outlets, outlets received a survey from Drinkwise, uh, from, but not from Drinkwise, from Endeavour. And uh, it was interesting, interesting survey, uh, talking about... Um, whether drinking during COVID has remained the same, obviously been an issue. Um, it's been discussed a lot over the past year and a half, uh, two years. Interesting one, 31% of risky drinkers increased their alcohol consumption um, since the start of the pandemic, likely to be younger people aged 18 to 44 years. Um, lo- zero low and mid-strength alcohol options are making a difference though. So interesting bit on both sides. Yes, some people drinking more, some people drinking less, lots of other trends coming through. But when we asked for the uh, survey, it was not available to us, number one. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, j- just to give listeners context, so one of the first things that we ask any time... Like, Which we you get should as a journalist. 100, 150 yeah. media releases a week, and we have to sift through those, and we don't want to be noise. We, don't, we mm-hmm. want to sift through those and tell our professional brewing audience what they need to know to function in the industry. So we... We sort through the chaff. And one of the things that we do is look at, you know, I mean, I, I remember um, when Lion was doing its um, beautiful beer or, you know, Beer the Beautiful Truth. It got a media release, you know, just as an example, because we get a lot of things that are backed by research and studies. And it was, you know, like, I don't think even think it was a YouGov poll. It was there were businesses that do down and dirty surveys with predetermined questions that are designed to elicit a response you know, the, the, the response that you want mm-hmm. to back up your data, yep. um, you know, and it, there's um, some really good books about this sort of thing where, mm-hmm. you know, pharmaceutical companies or, um, yep. you know, beautician companies, you know, sort of talk about who has the sexiest legs. We conducted a study of, you know, oh which God. celebrities have Essential. the sexiest legs. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it's fodder for mainstream yeah, journalism yeah. these days because mm-hmm. it means you get to put a pair of legs on the page mm-hmm. and people click through, it's clickbait and stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. the worst case of it. But mm-hmm. then one of the things that we're highly critical of is, um, you know, FAIR and some of the research mm-hmm. that they do. FAIR They're, and the Cancer Council, yep, we always ask them. Some of their research is very yep. valid and very good. Some of it is things like a researcher sitting at home who follows every... <laughs> For an hour on a Friday night, on who a follows Friday night. all the alcohol companies and says, oh, isn't alcohol marketing disgusting on... <laughs> well, yeah, the you follow algorithm, the, the algorithm is designed to serve you what, what you're you've interested What you've already watched, yeah, what you've already clicked on. That's the thing. And if we're going to report on that, we need to see the study. So yep. the, the first question that we... When we saw this... the. Um, Drinkwise is fantastic. We've had them on the podcast. Yeah, we you know when we love what they do. That's their bowls campaign, all of that sort of stuff. That was just a fantastic promotional educational campaign. This was something that came out from a major drinks retailer mm-hmm. citing a study that purported to show some things. Let let's see the study. What is a methodology? Yep. Because if we're going to report on it, we're going to get criticised by 
you know, certain, you know, anti-alcohol mm-hmm. campaigners, we want to be able to defend our integrity yep. as we as we want to be able to do when we write about them. So yep. anyway, yeah, no, so it was, it was a really, really interesting one that when we reached out to Drinkwise, we were told the study wasn't being released. Um, and Not yet at any rate. I d- there was no idea of when that there would was be. No idea. But sadly, nobody else had asked for the survey. Well, and, and that astounds me. I was really grossed out by that the That's first paragraph of the release was and then you know if, if you and again the cynic in me mm-hmm. because the the, the the story came down to that Endeavour Drinks Group um, was partnering with Drinkwise to trial a dedicated fridge in its stores mm-hmm. now straight away there is criticism from um, anti-alcohol the, the, the yep. Shannon Warns who's a very moderate anti-alcohol yep. people that you're sort of saying you need to drag people through the point of temptation yep. and Things that are self-promotion and things that are valuable mm-hmm. can often look the same depending on yep. in, intent. And yep. there is a certain level of cynicism anytime the biggest um, alcohol retailer in the country does something that yep. arguably is good because they do a lot of bad. And they hold a very strange place. Endeavour holds a strange place in the brewing industry. They're at the same time a major supporter, a major retailer of the Australian brewing industry, but at the same time, they're also a major competitor. They have a lot of their own private label brands. They've got their own business that focuses on private label brands. So we do, as an industry organisation, as an industry media outlet, have to be critical of them. And to see them in the same media release as Drinkwise, which obviously, as we say, we support, but we want them to be independent and above that kind of criticism. To see them in the same media release, I was like, oh no, oh no. But because I was imagining what the anti-alcohol lobby would be saying about this, you know, agreeing with everything that they've ever said about Drinkwise, that it's funded by the alcohol industry and therefore it's innately biased, it's innately got the um, interests of the alcohol industry at heart. So, you know, it was a tricky one. It was a tricky one, wasn't it? And hugely supportive of um, And we'll publish it when they publish a survey. Well, we've talked about it here. Mm. And, you know, the the data is interesting, but we would like to know what the methodology was, who was asked, things like that. So there's some robustness, um, you know. Absolutely. Because if we cover it, to some extent, we put our name behind it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, But the state of modern journalism, hey? And particularly when Endeavour is, I would say, these days... Endeavour, Dan Murphy's BWS, mm-hmm. are one of the biggest advertisers. You know, like you've got your Harvey Normans and things yep. like that. Yep. You know, any newspaper that is still in print mm-hmm. would have thousands, tens of thousands of yep. dollars of um, Endeavour, Endeavour a- yep. advertising in. And, you know, so when you say, well, you know, the AFR and, you know, they didn't ask for it. Well, yeah, what a surprise. Maybe they're incentivised. <laughs> Um, not to do it. So anyway, that was almost below the fold. <laughs> we did go a little bit. Below that is all of the That's news fine. that you need for the week, including a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think. Hopefully, you'll find our, our our commentary insightful and hopefully. adding to your week. But that is the news of the week. So if you need to get back to, if you've been sitting in the car park outside a bottle shop waiting to make that sales <laughs> call, if you're on the treadmill and wanting to get back to the family, if you're mashing in and need to do your late hop edition. Uh, you're probably not doing that if you're mashing in but you know what I mean (laughs) get back to it that was the news that you need for the week and uh, if you want a little bit more join us very shortly for Below the Fold and we're back this is Below the Fold this is our mailbag 
And our mailbag is presented by New Zealand Ale Trail. Head to New Zealand Ale Trail. Unlike the Australian Brews News Database, <laughs> the New Zealand Ale Trail will help you when you're in New Zealand or if you are in New Zealand, find some of the best beer experiences in New Zealand that you can go to. Ours doesn't necessarily limit itself to tap rooms, so there are going to be some breweries in the Australian Brewing Database that say that they'll you'll knock on the door and they'll say, piss off. <laughs> But if you go to the New Zealand Ale Trail, you are going to find yeah. breweries that welcome you with, with a open arms. Kia, kia ora. Um, I hope that's, I said that properly. And open arms and a big hug and lots of lovely. very, very good beer. You make me want to go. Should we go to New Zealand? Why don't we Absolutely. Once they'll let us in and we can <laughs> then get back. Come on, you said to let us go. Drink <laughs> beer. Because <laughs> we very much want to. Um, Steve Levian in the Facebook group listened to the Brewers' perspective on careers and training today. Thought it was excellent and the best yet. Great, uh, gave great insight on the whole industry, big and small. Well done, guys. Great. Stuff. Um, yeah, no, thank you for that. For, for those who haven't listened yet, we've separate. We, we didn't want to shove it into this channel because over the years, you know, Radio Brews News is news and um, industry conversations. That are still aimed at the industry and still interesting to the industry, but you know, um, are a little bit less technical. The brewery pro conversations are going to be a little bit more, um, you know, protein, um, you know, based, you know, mm-hmm. um, for you know professional brewers or brewing professionals. But maybe other people will be interested. If you're interested in getting a start in the industry, um, the one that uh, we did recently was uh, fantastic. So yeah, Steve, thank you, and I'm. He may have a bar blade, but uh, if not, we're gonna have to have a frequent flyer. You know, it, we will. It, it, once you're once you've got three chevrons on your bar blade, <laughs> we'll have to send a shirt or something like yeah. that. You know, yeah. upgrade. Okay, cool. Thank you, uh, David Gelbart, who I don't think Daniel. has one uh, in the Facebook group. Further to the post-craft beer world discussions hey. and the increase, it's amazing how many people. I like that that's caught on. I'd be very surprised if I coined that term or if we coined that term, but it just seems to have caught on. I'd love to know if we did. Um, No, I don't think we do. You know, the Bintang effect, I'll claim. Um, Uh A couple of things that I probably, you know, um, beer is a conversation, which I've Mm. seen more and more, and I can't find, you know, wine is a lecture, beer is a conversation. I don't. (laughs) Wine is a lecture. Yeah, well, that's where it came from. Uh, You know, wine is Is a lecture, beer is a conversation. I've never even questioned that. How bad is that? Um, um, yes, so Daniel says, and the increase in craft brewers making more traditional beer styles. It's great to see more amber ales in the market. I'm a big I'm a fan, actually. Uh, I remember one of my gateway craft beers was the James Squire Amber. They seem to have not featured as prominently uh, during the boom of craft beer unless they were hoppy and called a red IPA. So it's interesting they're making a comeback. Hey, what do you always say, Matt? Everything old is new. Keep bringing, stuff keeps coming back around, shandies, ambers. We'll never know what we'll get next. Well, yeah, because it, 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 it's interesting. I mean, the James Squire Amber Ale was mm. a hugely the, the original one, and I, I don't want to say it's dumbed down, but it's not quite. And even the brewers say this because it, it, it's still a cracking beer, mm-hmm. um, but it just used to have this nutty. Um, I almost called it a shellac character. Um, mm. Just this richness, this nutty toffiness. When you say shellac, um, I immediately think of getting your nails done. So. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay. That's what I was thinking of, like oh, a mate, varnish. Well, that, that, that's what, the, the, anyway. Um, but there's, there's just something about dark, you you, mm. you, you pull out a Rogers um, Amber Ale, mm. um, and people, oh, I don't like those dark beers, oh, as I if like it's that. Guinness. Um, yeah, yeah, they're not in the same league. Not in the same front. league at no, all. No, absolutely and, and not. And we drink with our eyes first, and, yeah. you know, 
But also, we're, we're hearing, you know, so there's a whole lot of things driving it. You know, maybe people's palates are coming on. Maybe they're not scared by the, you know, dark. Mm-hmm. But then also, we, we are seeing a loop close in a lot of ways yep. of, you know, Pilsner's coming back and, mm-hmm. you know, particularly people who once, you know, rode the, you know, IPA, IPA you know, yep. um, bitterness and hoppiness and things like that. Um, you know, I find myself saying, oh, yeah, mm. I don't want something too fruity. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was something I drink me. a few of. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen some really successful brands filter the mill that are expanding, they're getting bigger, and they've always done, and they conti- they might do the odd dabble into something a little bit more fruity, a little bit more mod- modern, in inverted commas, but they definitely do the classics. They stick to the classics. They're really good at the classics. They perfect them. Or, and by classics, I obviously mean slightly older styles maybe more established styles and they do really really well with them so yeah and and that's always one of the things that fascinates me uh, about stepping away from the beers themselves but the business of beer because Mm. craft brewers have very effectively marked themselves out you know for for all that we say about you know these beers that push boundaries and blur lines and stuff like that they do play in a space that small brewers by and large have to themselves Mm -hmm. you know well Four Pines is obviously not a small brewer, but you know, mm-hmm. the, so the Ben and Jerry's, but they're able to to play in this space very effectively without a huge amounts of serious competition, mm-hmm. um, and so it's their territory. Yeah, when they start coming into the, you know, the wheelhouse of the bigger brewers, <laughs> dare I say, when they're leaning in oh, to the space, lean the, in, <laughs> eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, beers conversation <laughs> listeners might get that. Um, <laughs> Then you're suddenly bringing you you you're entering the lion's den in terms of you're up against beers that may be made by the bigger brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're more traditional styles yeah. that were the big brewers' own. And then you're looking at you know how does your quality compare with the big brewers? How does your price compare? Um, if you're going toe to toe on price, this is when I come back to you know what is the independence movement doing to justify the $20 a carton difference minimum between, yeah. you know, Little Creatures Pilsner, I don't think they make it anymore, and, you know, the Cracking Pilsner, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and Little Crafty Pilsner, that sort of thing. How do you effectively compete on price and quality and things like that with yeah. some of the big brewers? Funnily enough, just a complete diversion. Last Saturday night I gave a speech to the uh, – I was invited to give a speech to – the AMIC State Dinner, which is the Australian Meat Industry Council, effectively they are the post-farmgate, the industry body representing post-farmgate uh, meat processes, your know, red mm-hmm. meat processes, so your salami makers, your jerky makers, your independent butchers and things like that. And then they were interested in, because they're competing against the supermarket duopoly. Yep. They're you know competing against the macro international mm-hmm. jerky um, and, and things like that. And it was just an interesting to give some reflections yeah. on where I saw there so were similarities. So many parallels, so mm. many parallels. It was really odd when we were talking about it. I was like, holy crap, they've got a duopoly. They've, they're having to deal with all these issues about why people should, uh, what, talk, talking about why people should go to those butchers over like going to Coles or Woolies because it's convenient or anything like that. It's really, really yeah. interesting to see those parallels. And, and, and you know, because I, I had to say to them, look, you know, craft brewers, so we, we've gone down the rabbit hole a little <laughs> bit on this one, but I think it's, you know, I think it's a, a, a valuable discussion because I, I was also judging in the Sausage King, which so I was eating sausages. Oh all day. my God, it looked amazing, everyone. And it looked so good. He kept sending us pictures of all the bacon he was eating and the ham. And but like, on one hand, you're like you've got your Cumberland, you've got your classic sausage styles, and you've got your pork, you've got your beef, you've got your continental <laughs> that are classic, that are two style. Yeah. But then you've got your 
you know, <laughs> we're pretty Obscure. much the crazy, hazy, lazy, yeah. you know, sort of uh, stuff. What was where, the where weirdest a, one? Oh, I, I, I took a photo, but again, was it like I had to be very careful because I, I wanted to draw the parallel because mm. on one hand I was doing a beer tasting and I just took along the Japanese lager. I, I took along heads of Noosa beers because oh, yep. clean, crisp lagers because yep. butchers – Having seen what they yep. drink, they don't want the crazy ass. No, no, and no, I no, wasn't no. there to convert anybody. I was to show them that craft brewers could make bang on traditional styles. And, mm-hmm. you know, why are you drinking Heineken or why are you drinking Asahi when you've got in your backyard this independent? Mm-hmm. These guys are the brewery equivalent of yep. your local independent butcher who is competing with the Coles next door. Um, to make that point. And, you know, and <laughs> the number of the butchers, mm-hmm. lovely blokes. Um, they say good day to you, Pete. They remember you from Sausage King up a couple of years ago. Oh, Pete amazing. is the king of the butchers. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, I don't want anything too fruity. So many of these beers are too fruity, and I had to, you know, in my speech, say, you know, it's really interesting to have that feedback from you mm-hmm. because, um, you know, when you try your sausages, a lot of people just want to snag. They don't, and so I made up a flavour because having seen some of the flavours, I didn't want anyone to be. Oh my a, a, god! Imagine upset. if you accidentally mentioned someone. So I chose the crate, and I think I said, um, "What did I say?" Um, like wasabi or something no, like that. No, sea urchin and yuzu sausage or something <laughs> like that. Or sea cucumber and y- something crazy. That, you know, not outside oh of the realms God. of possibility. Um, yeah, sea urchin and yuzu. I'm pretty sure there wasn't one, but there were some crazy sausage flavours there. Um, you know, they, they were, where they're trying to appeal and they're trying to get some wow factor in the same way as brewers are. But at the end of the day, that's a bit of a gimmick. It's a bit of a thing. It's not the whole mm-hmm. beer market. And I had to say to them, you know, so yes, there is a market for that. But just like brewers, you know, when somebody says that they just want a beer that tastes like a beer, they're competing against brewers that are, um, you know, much bigger, bigger marketing budgets, can do it cheaper, you know, don't even have butchers on price. They just get in a box of sausages that some massive processor that you are competing with you know, it's done, they're down to a price, they're down. that's what brewers are competing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a fascinating, you know, the, the more I looked at it, there were these parallels in the sausages, but at the end of the day, a piece of steak is a piece of steak. How do you, you know, a piece of rump, by, you know, I, I had to qualify that by saying, you know, if you're in the industry and you know about, you know, livestock ma- management practices, which is the same story that brewers are having to tell about we employ more people per litre of beer made and things like that. And it was a fascinating exercise mm-hmm. to try and show them that when they're selling, you know, Peroni or, you know, Japanese lager or when, when they're drinking and making the choice, the choice that you make as a consumer is the same choice that your consumer is having to make when they walk into your store and you're operating as a business. So, yeah, sorry, that was a very long... Um, mm-hmm. I should have just read my speech because um, <laughs> it would have clarified it. But anyway, that, that was that. Now, we might do... There was one other story we wanted mm. to do, but we want to invite um, our, uh, our kitchen cabinet, our voice of a new generation. <laughs> um, just, yeah, so, so we're, we're, we're calling in our, um, our other staff members, yep. Vivian Topalovic, not Topalovic, or Topolovic. <laughs> Topalovic and Emmeline Kierkegaard or if you're in Copenhagen Kiergård oh that's cool though should <laughs> yes, it, you should change that no anyway um, yeah, Claire, so why are we calling them in there was an interesting uh, tweet that got posted earlier this week Anthony, uh, Anthony Albanese and I believe the new New South Wales Premier Dominic Perotet Perotet um, <laughs> Perotot 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 <laughs> whatever it is um, so they were 
obviously, New South Wales celebrated uh, in quotation marks Freedom Day, opening up after a big long lockdown. Uh, Everyone was chuffed. Everyone was excited. Interesting pictures of uh, Dominic and Albo at the pub very early on in the day, celebrating Freedom Day. Um, Some interesting pictures that came out from that. Uh, In the pub, obviously, not at a usual time of day, but also completely surrounded by other men. Now, the tweet and the thread that followed was quite... It's controversial. It brought in a lot of opinions. Well, it was interesting because Julia Zemiro's tweet was just... I continue to have a gut full of this shit and then just posted the two photos. So, so, oh, so she was very... I wasn't very, sure if you'd let me say that. Oh, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry, cover your ears, kids. Um, it, it was interesting, but she posted the two photos. Yeah. But then it was so interesting to see what fell out in the comments in mm-hmm. terms of what this shit represented yep. to a whole range of different people. Because the original post was um, Cheryl Kernot, and she said, Australian male leadership alienating... <laughs> oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, you said it now. Uh, alienating women without a second thought. Hashtag Ospol. Interesting. So, yeah, Interesting. so uh, Vivian and Emmy... Uh, Vivian, uh, so, so so we shared that in in the office. And, and look, uh, just, just for <laughs> clarity... Um, this is our office. Um, no one has heard of anyone other than Claire. Um, you might have seen Vivian's uh, byline and Emmy uh, has sent emails out. So um, this is our, the, 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 the Bruise News workforce. We do have Sam um, as well. Um, but So this isn't sort of tokenism in any way. Uh, this was yeah. the essentially... Sam's not in yet, otherwise well, you bring Sam, him Sam's in. Not in but <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so I, I just want to make that clear because these days it is a bit of a political minefield. Yeah. We haven't sort of gone looking for opinions. But yeah, yeah so it was, it was just interesting. Uh, an invis- interesting conversation was had in the office I wanted mm. to capture as part of the podcast. So yeah, Vivian, what was, when, when you saw it, what were, what were your thoughts? Well, for me, the photos definitely sort of brought that larrikin, blokey, Australian sort of image that I guess was very much popular 20 years ago and um, seeing that now in the landscape that we're in right now is kind of surprising I think for me. Did it make you feel included in the opening of New South Wales? (laughs) Did it make you feel confident in the politicians that we have? Oh, I mean, definitely not. (laughs) I think that's pretty obvious. Um, But yeah, I think it's just interesting that that's the way that they want to portray that, especially Mm -hmm. given the fact that with lockdowns and everything, with how long that went on in New South Wales, to sort of present that sort of image was very interesting. And politicians are obsessed with image. Like, they know what they're doing when they do this. It's not just random, is it? Like, they knew they were going there, they were going to be pressed there. And that's what... Uh, that's what I noticed. That's what I noticed. Like, if politicians should be really focused on optics, so surely, even just for the sake of inclusion, mm-hmm. pop some women in the background. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like but what tokenistically. Is, yeah, exactly. Like, like, if you really it have shows. To. It just shows that they they really don't care about the opinion of women or anybody that's different from. The no, guys they would go to the pub with. Those are their important voters, in quotation marks. Yeah, and you audience. see, like, all of the replies to the tweet are like, you're missing 50% of your, like, voters, <laughs> voters there. Yeah. You know, like, it's a huge oversight. But yeah. it also, it's perpetuating this really old-fashioned stereotype, like Vivian mm. was saying. And it also, it excludes and it alienates men who also don't fit into that yep. stereotype. Absolutely. And, like... 
yeah, there are lots of comments about that. Like, it's so outdated. It's only mm-hmm. manly. Like, yeah, yeah. beer, larrikin, um, being at the pub with your mates. Yeah. It's a manly thing. So what if you don't fit into that? Yeah. Then you're alienating men as well. Absolutely. You know, like, it's and just considering such a poor choice. The, these blokes are well within the age range of um, men that have mental health issues, um, alcoholism's big issue. Like, is this really what you want to portray with a lot of men that are vulnerable, that are in that age yeah. range, that don't like being told, oh, you have to drink or you're not a bloke? Like, that's ridiculous. That's it, disgusting. It feels like they were going for the Dan Andrews get on the beers <laughs> thing. <laughs> and it just completely backfired. Yeah. Because, yeah. Actually, you make a good point because I don't remember the I, – I, I didn't take note of the size of the backlash – about alcohol and how re- and how relevant and appropriate it was to be celebrating the end of lockdown by going to the pub, which is a, yeah. f- a classic Australian trope. Yeah, yeah. What about going to an art gallery or something like that? <laughs> no, you want no want to do something interesting like cultural oh, no. like that. Well, you, it's you, like eight o'clock in the morning. You, Dominic, <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do that because I mean that's that, that's going to make them look effete and yes. elitist. Yes, they look um, so metropolitan. What about their rural readers or whatever, or voters, whatever? But, but that's and again, like there was an article that came out um, about it's time to bin the pub test. You know, this idea mm. of you know what passes the pub test, which is was a very very similar discussion about mm. how relevant is the pub these days. Now, just to give Emmy, you're 19, yes, and Vivian, I don't want you're 24, 23, 23. Sorry, no, I didn't want to make okay. sure. Um, but neither of you drink a lot. No, no. <laughs> Good job, guys. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> it means more for us though in the office. But, okay, right. okay. So, but do, but do you go to pubs? Like, a, a, do, do, are pubs reflective of the spaces that you yeah. both want to? Are you inhabit? more a restaurant? Or are you more a bar or what would you prefer none of the above (laughs) um I mean a lot of that for me personally is reflected on Brisbane's sort of scene in terms Mm -hmm. of going out in pubs and that sort of thing it's definitely not to my taste Mm -hmm. but if I had to choose it'd probably be more something casual Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah it's like with with my friends rather than going out I find it nicer to have somebody host and then you bring the drinks yeah. there and do a mm-hmm. nice dinner or something. You or bring go to or a Jimmy cafe. brings? We bring. We live across from <laughs> VWS. <so>. <laughs> <laughs> there we yeah. go. There we go. Yeah, so that in itself is really interesting. But I mean, I'm not saying, obviously, you guys are um, the same as everybody else of your age range An or anything like that. doesn't make research. There you go. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Some people should know that. Um, but... Generally speaking, that's what we hear in lots of research, that younger people are drinking less. They aren't as interested in that pub vibe. They aren't as interested in, not everybody, as we say, but they're not, it's not, I don't think it's going to be perpetuated as much as it did maybe when we, I was at uni or anything like that. Like, this is where you went. You didn't go anywhere else. You went to the pub. Which is where, you know, again, something I said to, to the butchers was, I'm convinced when you go to a brew pub, you know, less than 50% of the people are there for the beer, um, you know that that'll change yeah. depending on how beery you know the, the the venue is. But the modern brew pub tap room is much more reflective of what the traditional family based pub is. Absolutely. Um, and I, I had a chat to Bradford Tetlow, who will be on the beers conversation next week, um, who's in the UK at the moment. He talked about that. You know, the mm-hmm. English pubs are a much different thing to the Australian pub, um, which again is very interesting to see the Queensland Hotels Association is currently lobbying against restaurants and cafes mm-hmm. selling takeaway beers to protect their 
what their know, bottle shop interests. Their, their bottle shop interests. <laughs> when they have gone so far down the track of being, you know, get them in and get them spending pubs that have no sense of community, no sense of difference, that just want a generic spend up and drink hard and lose money on the pokies. Yeah. Which is not an experience. Is that an experience that resonates with either of you? Do you go? Like, do you guys play the pokies? Have you ever? Have either of you ever played the pokies? No. <laughs> you ever played pokies? Oh, look, you've put five dollars through. Did you? Um, oh, yeah, I like, never have. Yeah. Michael, I don't. I mean, I don't much anymore because. Mm. But uh, again, you know, Australians are the biggest gamblers. Um, but anyway, was there any more that came out? Uh, you know, about the celebrating with alcohol for, for, for you guys. I mean, another thing that stood out to me was that it looks really bad for the pub that they're in, which is it was Willie the Boatman. That was I Elbow. Think, uh, yeah, yeah. Was Willie, yeah. Willie was yeah, there. Elbow. Yeah, I think they were Willie hosting. Oh, were they actually hosting? Yeah. And it didn't and actually help that then it was shared by Sky News because there was a very no. commentary, commentary, there was a very interesting commentary shared yeah. about that. You know, craft beer and mainstream media, Sky News. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Oh, oh. I can't remember what the meme was, but it was a, one of those memes. Yeah, yeah. And it, just, it makes them look really bad. So it's, it's like yeah. they're doing It's not a good image to be Yeah. I mean, I think beer's been caught in the crosshairs a little bit as well because, like, politicians are using it to make themselves look like the everyman. Exactly. Emphasis on man. And (laughs) and actually, you know, that's not fair to beer because beer is, especially in the craft beer space, I think, getting a lot more inclusive. The fact that we even had the discussions earlier in the year about sexism in the industry, I think that was an important step. Not saying that it's anywhere near close to equal or that everybody feels comfortable or anything like that, but I think it's very different to that mainstream beer drinker that maybe Albo, etc. are going for. And this is just such a poor representation of what the craft beer industry is actually like. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I want to ask you guys is, I think last week or the week before, there was a study that came out from the Brewers Association in the US that said 97% of breweries were owned by white men, white men uh, yeah. essentially. And, you know, one of the questions that, that I ask, and hopefully I can ask this legitimately, is, you know, there was a blog, you know, what white people like. Um, oh, yeah. And like white people Twitter and stuff like that. Y- yeah, yeah. Like, a brewery tap rooms owned by white men because it's something that appeals to white men and not? Or is it something that is a self-perpetuating thing that if they were more inclusive and they were more welcoming, that a much more diverse range of people would own and go to tap rooms? You know, do do you guys enjoy going to a, a brew pub? Do you feel included? Or is it just not the place you would go no matter who owned it? It's not really something I have much of an interest in, but I think it's a foolish thing to think that women are inherently not interested in beer, mm-hmm. that men are inherently interested in mm. beer. Yeah. I think through generations of social conditioning, women have been taught not to be interested in beer. Um, and then if they choose to be interested in it, then they're like one of the, blo- the one of the boys or I like... Tried. I tried. To I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she won't have any of it. She won't have any of I'm it. I'm very picky. So <laughs> I, I think it's that. Yeah. No, um, I, I agree. Yeah. For me, it's not really like a something that I'm interested in. And I haven't been to many places, but the places I have been, it is sort of, I think, one of those things where you do feel a little bit like, oh, maybe I have to stand a little bit taller and have to mm-hmm. be sort of 
to be more comfortable in that space. Um, but that's something I think that applies to many different things as yeah, a woman. Yeah, not necessarily yeah. just a group of. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I was chatting to my hairdresser last night <laughs> and she was like, oh, yeah, so tell, she was telling her what I did and she was asking, um, oh, is there any good breweries or brew pubs or something around and I was like oh yeah you gotta go Brendan obviously sorry everyone always mentioned it <laughs> but oh, well, it's local. to me it's my local um but interestingly enough she said oh well I've driven past it and there's lots of tradie blokes out there a lot and I was like when you go in if you actually went inside all the bar staff well a majority of bar staff are women they everybody brings their kids in it's like a big family do that's funny I don't want to go to a place (laughs) (laughs) this is full of tradie blokes just just for the record because there's a pub down the road and I was there the other day and it was you know it was a meeting it was a close place to have a meeting I walked in I just don't feel this isn't the space that I want to be in because it was a bunch of even though I drive a Triton Ute um, (laughs) it wasn't the space that I wanted to to, to be in so like I I would drive past and have that same feeling just for the record Um, so it's yeah Yeah. I I, I get that and I think there is that sort of initial quick glance that you have to overcome in certain places I think Brendel might just be different as well because of where it's situated it's not a city centre type brew pub or anything like that it's out there it's on an industrial state effectively there's lots of tradesmen around so inevitably that's going to be a big audience but the fact is that there's always kids knocking around there's dogs around like every never feel it's always welcome even my parents went there the other day and my parents are like much older and very much more fancy types and they were like they, we loved it they had but a great time but that's what I love about so many like you you walk in and it is kids and families and dogs and you know yep. a mixed range of people and this is me applying my um, dimension of what's diverse that is going to be very <laughs> different which is why we're hearing from <laughs> you guys um but yeah it's uh, and, and hopefully we can continue to to make that um, yeah you know, i'm only stepping in because i'm bringing it to a close because okay. we are so far over oh, um our regular <laughs> pete's gonna kill us but i think yeah but it was a good conversation it was awesome. a, an important conversation thank yeah, you thank, thank you. you both and we, I, we won't get you both on but we want to hear from our um 80 male 20 female according <laughs> to social media um oh, is that what we've got yeah, apparently that's roughly what... That's not too bad, I suppose. Not yeah, great. <laughs> well, it, it, it's absolutely not great. I was actually surprised that it was as high as 20% because that's mm. probably not reflective of the industry. Um, no, I think that's because women do care and do love beer and are passionate about beer. And I think a lot of, especially on beer groups and things like that, they aren't might not be as vocal. And this is online just as much as it is in real life. But they are there because they are interested. It's probably easier to engage in beer content from behind a screen oh yeah oh for sure in a physical environment yeah. although the pile-on on some of those beer threads i wouldn't even i but wouldn't even dip again, my toe into them absolutely i, I would not. like to compare because we don't do pylons no. you know by and large um very rare like you get flog comments yeah, every yeah. now and then and you can't do anything about that but again our community seems to do the regulars who yeah. know our thing maybe that's why yeah. again still well, not good about enough. creating a good a comfortable space where people feel that they can talk, women, men, and everybody, and allowing floggy, nasty comments and stuff like that it just doesn't help. Mm. <laughs> All right, anyway, Pete's going to yell at me. Um, <laughs> so, but thank you both for joining us. We'll, we'll definitely get uh, Emmy and Vivian. Thank you very much. And thank, thank you for being part of Bruce News and do all, all that you yeah. do. Thank you. Right. Thank thank congratulations you. on the database, Emmy. Yeah, well done, Emmy. Bloody legend. That I took the credit for. Um, <laughs> me too. We're ha- so ha- well, fortunately, we took the credit. So, yeah, it's like not just... Teamwork. Anyway. Teamwork um, took the credit. But that is the news of the week and a lot of added discussion about things that matter. Let us know what you think about, you know, 
what what we've just talked about about the uh, Freedom Day um, and was it reflective? You know, is it something? Does the alcohol industry have to be mindful of that? It's not seen as the natural um, celebration anymore, and there's a growing population. How are we going to deal with that? Let us know what you think because we very much do care, and we'll send you a dog bone bar blade for your efforts thank you to the people who make it special um, and possible well we make it special they make it possible <laughs> um, cry malt who have been with us since the very beginning rallings label stickers and packaging uh, the new zealand ale trail and thirsty merch who do our um, shirts and uh, you can buy those online or you know, if you if you send us enough emails we'll probably even send you one <laughs> We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday with a very great chat with uh, Bradford Tetlow in Beer as a Conversation, and back next week with more of the news of the week. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, as Pete would say, oh my God, something, something, something. Say? Wash your wash damn your hands. hands. <laughs> <laughs> we forget every time. Every wear a time. mask. Make sure you you wear a mask if you're out Look and about. Look after each and, uh, other. Those who have freedoms, enjoy them. Those and those who don't, fingers Stay crossed strong. that it won't be long. Yep. Yeah. And we're thinking of you. And we're out. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> They're rubbish. Not as practiced as we, clearly. No, maybe they times? should have us on the podcast more. <laughs> oh, here we go. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. Beer.